Uh, my name is Edron, one of the associate pastors, um, and I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, could you help me thank Je- Jesse Ross, our worship team, our band, uh, Peter and the guys, just for how they lead us in worship each week. We truly are blessed to have them um, and for the way in which they set the atmosphere for worship and lead us in each and every week. I think it's incredible, and I hope that we never take for granted <clears throat> just how gifted those guys are. So can we just thank them one more time for how they lead? We are in week five of a series that we're calling Beautiful Outlaw. Um, it's based on a book of the same title. My, my, my cover got written up by my two-year-old, um, so yours won't look like this. Uh, <laughs> but it's still beautiful in its own way. Um, it's written by a guy named J- John Eldridge, and the subtitle of the book is Experiencing the Playful, Disruptive, Extravagant Personality of Jesus. And so we have been for, this will be our fifth week now, looking at various facets of Jesus' personality to get a sense of who he was holistically. Um, and it's been an incredible series. Uh, for me personally, I pray that it's also been a blessing to you, um, and we want to continue in that today. And so I want to invite you to open Bibles if you have them. First to uh, Matthew chapter 8, but I also want to ask you to uh, have John chapter 4 maybe earmarked as well. So Matthew chapter 8 and John chapter 4, we're going to look at both of those today together. We want to thank you all for being here today. You are the frozen chosen. You made it here despite the snow. Uh, and we, We were glad you were able to make it here safely. and We even pray for folks who may still be on their their way. John chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 8. I want to start with a question. Have you ever gone too far? No, no, of course not. It's sort of a provocative question, but I want us to, to allow ourselves to be honest for a moment in church and think about that. Have you ever gone too far. I'm not going to ask you to put your business out there today, but I want us to even think about in the very simple things in life. Um, maybe at work you tried to tell jokes one day and ended up going way too far and found yourself sitting down with HR. Uh, maybe you uh, tried, if you're single, to give someone a subtle hint that you are interested in them. And found yourself in a situation, thinking in the words of uh, a good friend of ours, to say that escalated quickly. I I didn't see that going. How did I end up here? I went too far. Maybe uh, you, not you necessarily, but the person sitting next to you, discovered the joy of online shopping. And that one-click feature that they have on Amazon And you looked up one day and you needed an intervention because your shopping habits had gone too far. Whatever it may be, I imagine today that all of us at some point in our lives, in some area of our lives, have experience of getting too close to the line, going too far and needing to be pulled back a bit or else risking serious consequences. I wonder if we've ever thought about Jesus as going too far, towing the line, doing too much. 
One of the really cool things about this series, Beautiful Outlaw, is that it gives us permission to think about Jesus in a number of different ways. It has, for me at least, given me freedom to deal with Jesus in a more holistic way, both his humanity and his divinity. So think about where we've been together as a congregation over the last four weeks. In week one, we asked you to consider the possibility that Jesus was playful, that God in the flesh second person of the Trinity, present in all of creation, might have, in the course of his ministry, shared a few jokes here and there and used sarcasm and hyperbole so that people might get a better sense of who Jesus is and who God is and what the kingdom of God was all about. So we asked you to consider that Jesus is playful. Then Pastor Rose asked us to consider the possibility and see that Jesus is intentionally fierce, that Jesus was so committed to the mission of God that at times when things seemed to get in the way of the mission, Jesus was willing to employ righteous anger so that the mission could continue forward. Jesus would flip tables if he had to because he was intentionally fierce. In week three, we ask you to consider the extravagant generosity of Jesus. The fact that there is no limit to what Jesus will do and give so that his people might experience God. We ask you to consider the narrative of Jesus going to a wedding and sharing the best wine that anybody had ever had, far more than they had prayed for. And we encourage you that week that Jesus will hear your prayers. He will not just give you what you need, but he will give you far more than what you asked for. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is disruptively honest. That Jesus doesn't let honesty, Jesus doesn't let something like like grace and wanting to have everyone like him keep him from being honest. And Jesus was willing to blow up a dinner party for the sake of helping people to get a right sense of God. In each of these messages, our hope has been that you would not only hear about Jesus, but that you would actually experience Jesus in rich, diverse, and powerful ways. And I'm not talking about a one-dimensional Jesus. We've been inviting you this entire time. This entire series is about experiencing the dynamic, multifaceted personality of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is alive, and we believe that Jesus is exponentially more beautiful than we've ever known him to be. We don't want to settle for a cheap substitute Jesus. We want to know and experience the real Jesus. That's the entire point of this this entire series. We want to know and experience the real Jesus in life-transforming ways. Amen. Day by day, day by day, oh, dear Lord, three things I pray to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly and to know you and follow you more nearly day by day. Our prayer in this entire series is simply this. Jesus, we ask you for you, the real you. That's our prayer. And so today I want you to consider and look at the scriptures and see with me today that Jesus is indeed scandalous. Scandalous. I want us to look at the scriptures and consider that Jesus at times seemed to go way too far. 
For some of us, this message will be a challenging one because you can't allow yourself to think of Jesus as any other thing than simply squeaky clean in personality and appearance, always coloring inside of the lines, driving no more than two to three miles over the speed limit, turning in all of his library books on time, and you show up here today and I lead out with that statement that Jesus is scandalous. And I imagine that a couple of you may have some anxiety right now. You're feeling a little anxious. I want you to acknowledge what you might be feeling and sit with it for a moment because we're heading somewhere, I promise. I want to invite you to trust the Spirit's work so that you might actually hear what I'm saying. There's another group of you in this room, I imagine, who hear that Jesus is scandalous and it's deeply affirming for you. Because you always strive to be scandalous yourself. (laughs) You've never colored inside of the lines. You have no clue when the library books are due. (laughs) You see the speed limit as more of a recommendation. Wherever you are today on either end of that spectrum or somewhere in the middle, I think God wants to speak to us today through this consideration that Jesus is himself scandalous. I want us to look at, together at two stories that I believe show Jesus to be scandalous. The first is found in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes throughout the region of his home area of Galilee, teaching and healing, and news of him spread all over, and large crowds of people began to come to him. People with many sicknesses, people who were demon-possessed, people who had all manner of need, they began to follow Jesus everywhere that he went. And Matthew tells of a particular occasion where Jesus finds a large crowd following him and he makes his way up onto a mountainside. He takes a seat and he delivers over the course of over a set of time a series of teaching known to us today as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus touches over several chapters here in the book of Matthew on a number of incredible topics that are meaningful for our understanding of the Christian faith. And here in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus comes down from that mountainside after teaching with those crowds still following him. And a man with leprosy comes to Jesus, kneels in front of him, and says to him, Lord, if you are willing, I would like to be healed. If you're willing, Lord, make me clean. And Jesus' response to us, to that man, helps us to see this scandalous nature that I'm talking about. Jesus says to this man, I am willing. I am willing to heal you. Be clean. But he does something else that makes it very scandalous in the moment. Jesus doesn't simply say that. He says it, and he reaches out and touches the man. Perhaps he touches his hand. Perhaps he touches the man's shoulder or his head because he's kneeling. We're not sure from the text, but what we know is Jesus speaks a word of healing over this man, and he does something scandalous because he touches him. This man is suffering from leprosy. 
It's an infectious skin disease which caused the skin and the hair in the area to grow white. It begins with specks on the eyelids and the hands, and gradually it spreads over the body, bleaching everything it touches. It becomes crusted over with white scales, and terrible sores and swelling touch every part of the body. Jesus touched the man with a deadly disease because this man found himself face-to-face with Jesus. It was a scandalous moment, but more than simply the scandalousness of the disease was the scandal of the way these people were treated. When someone contracted leprosy, they were relegated to the status of the living dead. They were walking, but everyone treated them as if they were simply waiting to die. You were forced to the margins of society. You were unable in many cases to even live in walled cities. They they were forced to wear tattered clothes, to shave their heads, and everywhere they went, they had to scream out, unclean, unclean. It was said to be done to protect those who didn't have leprosy. But brothers and sisters, can you imagine for a moment what that did to the souls of these folks? That everywhere you went, you had to announce your own sickness. It's bad enough that other people treated you messed up. But you had to say, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Stay away from me. Even though you're starving for attention. And for for connection, you had to say, because of the laws and the regulations of the day, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. This man comes to Jesus, starving for attention, for concern, for healing, for touch. And Jesus, being the scandalous man that he is, forsakes the regulations of the day, and he reaches out, and he touches this man, And he says to him, I am willing, be clean. This was not the first scandalous moment in Jesus' life. And it most certainly would not be the last. John chapter 4 records another scandalous moment in Jesus' life. It's a moment when Jesus finds himself traveling from Judea up to the area of Galilee. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, verse 4 says. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus' ministry continues to grow 
And the Pharisees, a part of the religious leadership, began to take notice as Jesus' disciples began to outnumber John's disciples. But rather than celebrate this notoriety, Jesus seems troubled and threatened by this, and he begins to retreat. He leaves the region of Judea, travels north to Galilee, which is near his hometown of Nazareth. As Jesus is making his way from Judea, the text says Jesus had to go to Samaria. Brothers and sisters, let the scandal begin. The decision or the compulsion or the leading of the Spirit, whatever it was that takes Jesus to the region of Samaria, puts him in a very scandalous predicament. You remember the Samaritans, right? The mixed-race people, half Jew, half Gentile, who were hated because they could not prove their genealogy. They were hated because they, they were not what the Jews wanted them to be. They hated the Jews, and the Jews hated them. The Samaritans rejected chunks of the Old Testament teachings. They rejected the Jewish religious places, choosing to identify their own. No faithful Jew, much less a respected rabbi, would want anything to do with the Samaritan. Yet Jesus, according to the text, neglects the other routes that he could have taken to go to Galilee. And Jesus makes his way to Samaria. He, he, he arrives there around 12 noon, and he immediately goes to a place called Jacob's Well. And there he encounters and engages with a woman who was there. Friends, this is adding to the scandalous nature of this. I, I want us to take off our 2019 hat in our way of seeing the world and step back into trying to hear this the way that the original audience would have heard it. Jesus' presence there at all is scandalous, but it takes on even another level of scandalousness by engaging with this woman that he finds at the well. Jesus is a male. He is a Jewish male. He's single. There, there are clearly defined social boundaries that should keep him from even speaking with this woman especially in such a private setting. She, she's a woman. She's a Samaritan woman. She's pretty robust and has a foul reputation with a number of men. But instead of running away from her, what Jesus does is Jesus does for her what he does for people in general. When he comes into contact with us, even if we are broken and lost, Jesus doesn't run away from us. He moves towards us. And in that moving towards this woman, Jesus seems to have gone too far. Why would Jesus do this? Why, why would Jesus go so far past the accepted norms and practices of the day? Why would Jesus cross so many lines? Why would he risk being seen as unclean and immoral and scandalous? The reason Jesus does this is one simple word. Jesus chooses to be seen as scandalous for the sake of freedom. Freedom. One simple word helps us to see why Jesus was willing to go too far. He chooses to become scandalous because of freedom. Jesus does it because he is free. And he does it so that we might also become free. Here's what I mean. Jesus is free. He's free from the prison of what people think about him. He's free from the empty religious, religious practices that are done out of routine more than out of passionate calling. 
When we look at Jesus' ministry, many people don't like it. Most people don't understand it, so they drew false conclusions about it. They, they pointed fingers at him. They ridiculed him at every step of the way. But when we look at what Jesus does for this man and for this woman, what we see is a man who is free of the weight of other people's opinions. He's free of the weight of people's expectations. He's free of the weight of our misperceptions. We, they wanted Jesus to fit into a box. They wanted Jesus to fit into their rules. They wanted Jesus to be safe for themselves. Jesus was not in the slightest sense concerned with safety. Jesus was far too dynamic to be safe. Jesus was not committed to safety. Jesus was committed to freedom. Because Jesus was free from the opinions and the practices and all those other things that weigh religious people down, Jesus was able to accomplish what he came for. Because Jesus was free, he was able to win our freedom. Amen. Because Jesus was free, he was able to win our freedom. And when it comes to our freedom, Jesus is indeed scandalous. What do I mean by that? Here, here's what I would ask you to remember. If you forget everything else I've said today, Jesus shows up in scandalous places so that scandalous people can experience scandalous freedom. Jesus shows up in scandalous places so that scandalous people can experience scandalous freedom. The good news of Jesus Christ is that there is no limit to how far Jesus will go to get you free. And if you are in bondage, that's good news. If you've ever been in bondage, you know that's good news, that there is no lost cause in God's economy. There is no limit to how far God will go so that his people can experience freedom. God's grace has unlimited reach. If you want it, it's yours. If you ask for it, it's yours. If you need it, it's yours. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've been, whatever you are right now, the message of hope today is that God and Jesus will come to you. He will go as far as he needs to to bring you to a place of freedom. And so if you find yourself this morning in a place of addiction, Jesus will go that far to get you. If you find yourself in a place of having a bad attitude that you just can't shake, Jesus will go that far. If you find your place, yourself in a place of constant lies and misrepresentation, for some reason, Jesus will come to get you in that place. If you find yourself in a place of a broken marriage or broken relationships, Jesus loves you enough that he will go that far to come and get you. If you find yourself in a place of struggling faith, or having lost your faith altogether, even that distance is not too far for Jesus. And what if there are rules that say, Jesus, you can't go there? Jesus doesn't care about arbitrary man-made rules. Jesus is completely free of that mess. Jesus is concerned with the freedom of God's people. So it does not matter how far you have gone. It does not matter how people have pushed you to the margins. It does not even matter who you have pushed to the margins. Jesus reminds us in his interaction with this man and in his interaction with this woman that no one falls outside of the grace 
of God. So what does that mean for your life? How does that impact your life? Free people live differently than people in bondage. Free people navigate the world differently than people in bondage. And you have to ask yourself today, am I free in Jesus? Do, do I honestly feel free in Jesus? That's a real question. Do, do you feel free in Jesus? Because the freedom that you need is available. It's yours in Jesus Christ. And so if you don't feel free, perhaps that's the action step for you. Today, Jesus, I'm praying not just to know you and experience you. I'm praying that I might feel your freedom. I'm tired of holding back who I am in fear of what people might say of me. I want to be free. And guess what? Jesus wants you to be free even more. Because this world needs you to be free. There are some folks out in this community and in the street and wherever you call home, wherever you spend your time throughout the week, they need to be free. And perhaps they're waiting on you to get free. Perhaps God wants to use you to liberate some folks in that school and in that hospital and in that corporation downtown. Whatever, wherever you find yourself, freedom is needed in that space. And I pray that God would begin to open your eyes to see the people who need to be freed. But you can't free someone if you aren't in first free yourself. So that's my prayer for us today. That we will be okay with the scandalous nature of Jesus because we know behind that scandalousness is his pursuit of freedom for us and for all those who will come into contact with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are a liberating God. You, you lift us out of life's darkness. You fight for us. You free us from all the things that this life and this world and the enemy would push against us. You've won the victory, Jesus. And so we are free people. We pray that you would help us to be constantly reminded of the freedom that is ours in you. And as we, as we come to realize that more and as we live into it more, that we would be transformed in our day-to-day lives. God, I pray that our freedom would unlock freedom in others. That we would help others to see the light and life that is theirs in you. So God, help us to know that. Help us to live that way. Help us to always remember our identity in you. God, the song reminds us that there's no shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up coming after us. There are no limits when it comes to how far you go to set us free. May we experience that freedom today. 
and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.